This is Harrison Kim, and you're listening to Working With People by PaveStep. The Working With People podcast is for executives, managers, and people leaders. We bring people experts together to provide you with relevant content on how to think about and manage your most important asset, your talent. We have AJ here with us today. How are you, AJ? I'm doing well, thanks. How are you, Harrison? I am good. Where are you calling in from? We're in uh, San Francisco in the Bay Area. Awesome. Awesome. How are things over there these days? It's opening back up. You're enjoying the summer? Yeah, summer's great. We got uh, some some nice weather headed through the uh, the state, although a little bit scary, as you can imagine, with fire season yeah. among us. Uh, but yeah, the the world is opening back up, and businesses are starting to welcome folks back into the office. So it certainly is a interesting time. It definitely is an interesting time. Um, so today we're going to be talking about employee engagement, morale, and retention uh, in the work, remote work environment. But before we do that, tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, AJ Mises, and I am a uh, certified coach, executive coach and career strategist. And uh, that's kind of what I do by night. And uh, by day, I work in human resources. Awesome. Awesome. So let's get right to it. Can you speak to the importance of employee engagement? And feel free to maybe even define that a little bit for those of us uh, who may have a different definition or who may be not as familiar uh, with the topic. Yeah, so employee engagement is is a really really interesting um, topic. I will I'll say, um, and the definition I would say has changed over the last several years, um, and even in the last twelve months, I think employee engagement has changed. Um, but ultimately, it's the the measure by which an, an employees are engaged in the business. That's like the super simplest way to think about it. And engagement can be measured in a lot of different ways. It can be measured in um, in you know retention of employees, it could be in um, how far and uh, how quickly folks get promoted within your organization. It could be how quickly people are are raising their hands to work on new projects. It could be the the way in which leaders are formed in inside of an organization. Um, uh, but ultimately, it's it's it how I look at it is the the way in which um, and and specifically the how employees are engaged and contributing and adding value to your business. Got it. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. So um, how do companies maximize employee engagement, especially remotely, right? Obviously, a lot of companies have uh, gone remote over the last 12 months and are likely going to you know, either go remote or um, go hybrid over the next uh, little while. Who knows how long? Um, how, what should organizations be thinking about? So many things. I mean, that's such a broad question, <laughs> which I love, um, but I'll, I'll hit on a couple of things. And I think specifically over the last 12 months, it's shifted. The needs of what mm. employees desire and want have changed. And, and so what really what companies are up against is, are, you know, are companies listening to their employees and are they looking at employee engagement from the perspective of what's in it for me? And when I say what's in it for me, what's in it for the employee? Because there's a lot of choice that exists out in the marketplace. People can work in a lot of different places, especially if, if they're in high demand jobs like an engineer. And, um, and so people, people really want to know what's in it for them. And when it comes down to it from the research that exists, people typically want one of two things they, uh, or both. <laughs> they, want, um, they want a place where they can grow their skills 
and where they can constantly elevate the way in which that they're doing their thing. And then number two is they want opportunities to, um, to try other new possibilities or, 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 or make career pivots to things that are important to them. And so companies who have uh, a foundation where, where people can develop, where um, they're getting feedback on how they're performing, um, where they're getting invitations to have a seat at the table or times at bat in the moments that matter to them, right. um, not only to the company, um, are the ones are the, are the companies that are excelling because they've built processes, they've built systems, they've built a culture that helps to make all of that happen. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I would say first and foremost, there has to be a really good culture of, of feedback loops of um, checking in on, on uh, career conversations and separating career conversations from performance conversations. Mm. You know, the way that I kind of look at the performance piece of things is, you know, a, a performance conversation is a, is a look backwards, a backwards in time, what went well, what could be done differently, um, you know, uh, and, and what are we celebrating? And then a career conversation is really about What's, what does the future look like? What do you want? What types of um, times at bat need to happen in order for you to get that thing that you want? Um, and, and so th those, those two specific things are, are super duper important um, to have early on, especially in scaling companies, um, to establish a, a culture where, where those things happen regularly. Got it. Yep. That, that absolutely makes sense. When you, when you think about you know, growth opportunities um, and, and making sure that people are developing themselves, that's obviously a big component where we see a lot of value, especially with, you know, growing companies. And it's funny with growing companies, a lot of them, you know, forget about this <laughs> because they're so busy. Um, and you need to definitely put some intent and, and, and thinking in proactive thinking behind that. Yes, absolutely. And it starts from the top. It starts from the types of conversations that the leaders are having with each other, right? Their peer group about, about um, career conversations and where, where they're headed. Um, and to treat these conversations, especially around career, to, to treat those conversations just as important as you would around a product or a yeah. project roadmap um, and, and, and putting the same weight and value because over the long term, it's, it's typically too late to do anything when you start hearing complaints right. or you start hearing feedback from folks that they're not getting the development that they need. It's, it's, it's typically too late um, to, to save some of the ones who are disgruntled. Um, which is which is why I just t believe that establishing a culture where this happens regularly is is uh, very very important. Yeah, absolutely. So over the last you know 16, 17 months, um, you know when you think about some of the key challenges that people have come across in boosting morale and engaging their employees in the remote environment. Anything that really you know, sticks out in your mind um, and, and any big challenges and how, you know, organizations have really overcome them? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, remote work is is probably the thing that comes top of mind uh, to, uh, to, to the top of the pile. Um, I think, you know, and I, I was, I said this, I don't know, maybe six months ago on another podcast, but um, companies who have put a, um, a weight on being in the office versus being remote are the companies who are going to lose in the next 12 to 18 months, hmm. especially 
as uh, we're returning back to the office. I mean, you there was a, a very famous, now famous term that was coined by a college professor called the Great Resignation. Right. And um, I see it. I see it um, both, you know, when I'm when I was consulting um, in my work now as an HR leader, um, and um, the the companies that do not have a, a proper remote working strategy where they're giving people the power to choose where they work, when they work, um, and how they work, of course, with guardrails and support and tools and systems and things to help make it all happen. Um, but those are the companies that are going to fail. Um, they're going to lose talent to companies who have already gotten this right and have put ecosystems around making sure that people are successful in a remote environment. And this sometimes comes at a cost of, of a money, a monetary cost because of you know, different tools and things you have to invest in, travel costs, uh, sure. Um, but there is something to be said around this shift that we've gone through in the last 16 months, realizing that work can be done pretty much anywhere. Um, you know, there, there's, of course, are some roles that have to be done within an office space, like people who work in labs or um, et cetera. But uh, for the ones that can work remotely, um, there, there really is no good reason why companies shouldn't make that a reality for folks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's going to be a really interesting debate. I think a lot of the firms in New York here um, are definitely starting to come back and, and, and many, uh, many big names are you know, either mandating their employees to come back to the office or you know, mandating at least a portion of their week to be in the office. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and that's, that's a really great solution is that if maybe companies or leadership or whoever um, is not totally comfortable with a 100% remote working, how can you make it a, more flexible? Again, what's in it for me, right? The employees have seen for the last you know, 16 months that their work can be done from home for the most part. Um, and so it's, uh, it's incumbent of the, of companies and of, of senior leaders to really think about, okay, well, you know, how can we make this work for folks, given that we, we kind of now have data in the system to show us that people can, can do their jobs remotely when it makes sense. Um, and so companies who are adopting hybrid remote scenarios where people can work half time in the office, half time at home, that's better than a zero sum game or a binary decision of yes or no. It's tricky though, because hybrid is probably the hardest one to manage. <laughs> I was talking to some colleagues about this, where you know, if your whole company goes to uh, remote work, it's like okay, everyone's remote. And then if if you if you or if you have your whole company go you know full office, okay, everyone's in the office. Whereas if you're trying to manage the hybrid kind of coordination, I think that's probably the 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 hardest one to achieve. Even though I think that's probably what most people want. <laughs> yeah, well, it's hard because it's new. It's yeah. hard because we haven't really ventured into that territory. And so what I tell people is, you know, if you're feeling um, an uncomfortability with, with managing or it just, it's harder because of the hybrid. You have some people in the office, some people not at home. Um, do, do beta tests, try it out, see, mm -hmm. how, see how, it, how it works and what types of toll gates and things that you might need to put into place or tools or, sy or systems or pieces of technology that make it easier. Because when we, when you think about it, right, the, 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 the uncomfortability comes from a place of just not wanting to be uncomfortable. And um, it's the amygdala and the cortex in our brains that are constantly having this conversation about making sure that we're safe. That's really what it comes down to is, are, do you feel safe in this new environment, um, in this new way of working? Um, and, and so what I, what I say is that you've got you to constantly be um, training this part of your brain, your amygdala and your, in the cortex of your brain to recognize that this is not a threat 
and that and I need more data to determine whether or not this is an actual threat or a perceived threat. Yeah, yeah, absolutely makes sense. Um, you you mentioned this in in one of the uh, I think just now actually, but the Great Resignation, right? There's lots of research out there right now, lots of polls, research, and you know, kind of articles coming out, statistics coming out, showing that companies uh, should expect a lot of employee turnover this year, right? Um, why is that happening for those of us who maybe not be familiar? And, and, and what are some strategies that you would recommend uh, to really retain their, you know, to top talent? Yeah. So uh, the statistic right now is that 80% of the job market is job searching right now. <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> um, it's going to affect us, us all <laughs> at some point or another. Um, and I think, you know, I, I hear it. Um, I myself went through a couple of different transitions in the last year or so because the pandemic really brought about this um, uh, new lens by which to look at the world and to look at your life and decide if you like what you're doing or not. And, and really a pause um, to determine whether or not this trajectory that you find yourself on is really what you want to be doing. Um, a company that you really are are or are not attracted to anymore, a leader that you like working for, or maybe don't like working for anymore. Um, and so um, I, I, I just think that the way in which we worked has changed so much in the last 16 months that when companies um, start to turn a blind eye to how the world has shifted over the last 12 to 16 months um, and don't change or iterate on their policies, on their people processes, on the way in which that they manage and lead and inspire teams, um, that leads to people feeling like they need to make a change. Yeah. Um, and so this, the strategies that I, um, I, uh, I'll, I'll talk about one right now. Um, there, there's a lot, there's a lot of returning to the office that's happening right now. And uh, the companies who I see that are getting it right are acknowledging both that collaboration and innovation and brainstorming and things like that can be done really well in person. Um, and, and you can also do your job at home when, when those activities might not be happening. Um, the companies that are getting it wrong, and I'm seeing a lot of uh, turbulence um, in, are the companies who are towing company lines and saying things like, oh, we can't wait to be back into the office. We can't wait to welcome you back. And isn't it just going to be so <laughs> exciting? Um, so, and it sounds like a PR line, right? When you, yeah, when you hear yeah. it that way. But the, but the truth of the matter is that there's so many companies who are taking that line um, and not acknowledging the reverse of that, which is we're making, we have to make a, another change, which is, you know, we've been working at home for 16 months and now we're, we're going to come back. What is that going to feel like? What concerns do you have? What ideas do you have about making this uh, more of a uh, smoother transition? Um, and how can we as a company offer solutions to work, ways of working um, that, are, again, aren't in the binary, either in the office or at home, but, are, but have a mixed approach? Yeah, yeah, no, it absolutely makes sense. And I guess let me flip this question, um, just given your expertise, especially around the the, the career coaching and executive coaching, when you think about um, the candidate side, <laughs> right? Um, for the 80% of the employees who are in the job market, interviewing and recruiting and assessing their alternatives, any like critical or, 
or, or, or you know, I don't want to say a silver bullet, but any, any, any one advice that you want to share with them? For, for the candidates who are job searching? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think, you know, there's a lot of um, great questions that you can ask during the interview process. And the interview is as much of a, a two-way street as, as it might seem like it's a one-way street. Um, so w what I would recommend, there's two, two questions um, that I recommend people ask as they're job searching. The first is um, to have the interviewer tell you a story about um, the, the most successful person that they've hired that has grown within the company. Um, that'll tell you a lot about trajectory, velocity, um, around what they look for, why they promoted that person, why they're so successful. So that's number one. Um, and then the second thing, uh, question that I, I tell people to ask is, what's the most unexpected lesson about the culture that you've learned about the company since working here? Hmm. So the, um, the, you know, the typical question is, well, tell me about the culture or like, what's your favorite part about the culture? Um, and, and those are fine, but they get PR answers. And so when you can think about, when you can have somebody tell you about an unexpected lesson or something that they've learned, um, that'll, that, that forces them to really think about a perception that they had about the culture and then how that might have changed or shifted to the good or the bad um, around, around the culture. Awesome. Awesome. Perfect. Hopefully the, the people who are listening, if they're candidates, they can take that advice. If they're employers, uh, they can think about those things and hopefully yeah. it'll be helpful for both sides. Well, awesome. AJ, where can the audience find you and your thought leadership? Yeah. Um, LinkedIn, AJ Mises, and then um, also my website, which is thehumanreach.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time here, everyone. Thank you for listening to Working With People by PaveStep. Feel free to check out other episodes on pavestep.com slash podcast. Thanks, AJ. Thanks, Harrison.